On today's show, the Hawks hold on for dear life and get a victory that they badly needed on a Wednesday evening against the Oklahoma City Thunder. We'll have all of what transpired, the near meltdown, and much more coming up. You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day. Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 1623 of the Locked on Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Roland, coming to you deep into the night on a Wednesday evening into Thursday here in early January. And today's show is brought to you by the folks at Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account. It's probably code Locked On for $20 off your first purchase with Game Time. And also, I should encourage you at the top of the podcast, as I always do, to make us your first listen each and every day. Please check us out and subscribe to the podcast anywhere you get your podcasts, places like Apple and Spotify on the audio side, as well as YouTube. On the video side, and today's show will focus on what became a good win for the Hawks, 141 to 138 against the Thunder at home on this Wednesday. And as you might be able to tell by the sound of my voice, it was not as convincing as it might have seemed at one point in time. I will say, of course, this is the first game of 2024 for the Hawks after the calendar flipped over earlier this week. It's also their back-to-back wins for the Hawks for the first time in a while, and they nearly blew it. But on paper. And I think really in practice as well, this is the Hawks' best win since October. Yes, I mean that, despite the fact that they almost blew this game. And we'll talk about that, I promise you, a lot on this show. But basically since October, the Hawks have only beaten teams that they were either supposed to beat or certainly like quick flip games. And yes, there was some situational stuff here with regard to the Thunder, but the Thunder are very good. And the Hawks have not beaten a team that I would describe as very, very good since they beat Minnesota and Milwaukee back in October. So... That's a positive spin on things. Obviously, we'll talk about the ending of this one, but they led by 14 in the first quarter. They were up by 17 at halftime. They were up by 16 points with three minutes to go, and then things got very dicey. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll discuss. But in the end, the Hawks were able to hold on, get the win, and improve to 14 and 19 on, on, the, on the season. Also, 5 and 9 at home. There was a lot, a lot made pregame, a lot made during the game of the Hawks' home struggles. That's still the case, but they ended up winning this one in a good spot. So as we always do on the show, if you're a new listener, I'll just say this now. What we kind of do is go broad with, with, with my takeaways and observations earlier in the podcast, kind of what I saw on offense, on defense, etc. And then in the middle of the podcast, we'll talk kind of how the game unfolded with some more uh, grainy observations, I'll say. And at the end of the podcast, we'll, we'll kind of go player by player and sort of do some evaluations of how guys played in the spot and look ahead a little bit to the future. So big picture in this one again. A good win for the Hawks. It was a very friendly schedule spot for Atlanta. Oklahoma City played last night at home, which isn't like a cross-country flight, but certainly not a short flight from OKC. They got into Atlanta about 4.30 in the morning, reportedly, and uh, obviously the Hawks were well-rested, having not played since this weekend. So a on-paper advantage from the Hawks in that that standpoint, plus they were at home, of course. Uh, Injury-wise, the Thunder were at full strength in this game. The Hawks were not. Despite having Seth Lundy back, he did not play in this game. Um, DeAndre Hunter was out still. And Kobe Bufkin was recalled, but actually was in street clothes. I um, have an inkling that the Hawks just wanted him on the bench in this game because you cannot be on the bench if you are a player unless you are recalled from the G League. So that's probably why he was there. Anyway, lots of crazy line movement. I won't go all the way deep into the details here, but the Hawks were actually favored in this game by tip-off. They were underdogs all day long. But by tip-off, they were favored by one point, according to our friends at FanDuel. There was lots of attention on that because, of course, Oklahoma City has a much better record and all that fun stuff than Atlanta. But again, 
everything throwing, thrown into the mix here with the terrible schedule spot for the Thunder uh, and the Hawks being, I think, better according to the metrics than their actual record led to the Hawks, again, being favored in this game, which is kind of crazy. Anyway, since they won, I will start on offense and be positive at the, at the outside of this podcast. So it was pretty good on offense until the very, very, very end of this contest. A 132 offensive rating against a good defensive team in the Thunder. They had seven guys in double figures in this game, four guys with at least 22 points, including a career high for Jalen Johnson, as we'll discuss later on in the podcast. They shot it well from the floor in this game, 51% from the field, and only 36% from three, which is only okay, but got up 39 attempts. It's pretty solid there. They got to the line 33 times and made 31 of them. Not a huge volume in the second half, but still, certainly for the full game, very, very good there, both in attempts and in accuracy. They had 30 assists, which is very good in any context. And only 13 turnovers. And that's a very a very strong ratio. I wrote about this a little bit yesterday on my Patreon at patreon.com slash btroll. Also discussed it a little bit on the show yesterday, which, by the way, if you missed it, still very relevant for the most part on that show. Mailbag questions and then a sort of a preview of this game. But I thought it's about avoiding turnovers. This is kind of being a very important thing for the Hawks because the Thunder, coming into the night, led the league in turnover creation on defense. The Hawks only had 13. That's a very good, solid number. And that was kind of a key thing for me in this game. Also on the margins, the Hawks got 19 second chance points and 23 fast break points. That's also very good numbers there in this game. They did struggle at the rim throughout the contest, only 17 to 29. So that's going to be trouble a lot of times when you miss that many shots around the rim. And there were a couple by the bigs, but it was a lot of you know, a lot of the guards even just were not very good around the rim in this game. Uh, that was a trouble spot for the Hawks. But they ended up winning the possession battle pretty soundly. They actually had four more shots in the field and seven more free throw attempts than the Thunder in this spot. And that small win, which is having more shots at the rim, certainly proved to be pivotal in what became a pretty close game. It always helps to win on the margins in the NBA. Um, defensively, it was quite good, actually, in the first half. As much as that sounds funny now, if you didn't watch this game, all you see is 138. I get it. But in the first half, the Hawks were good defensively, like actually good. They had a 104 defensive rating before halftime. That's excellent against anyone, much less a very good offense in the Thunder. But in the second half, the Thunder had a 158 offensive rating. That is ludicrous. And a 169 offensive rating in the third quarter. So, tail two halves on defense, certainly. Ended up being a 129 defensive rating. That's, that's pretty bad. But certainly, it was uh, night and day. First half, second half in this game. The Thunder shot the ball extremely well along the way. So, a lot of that is a credit to them. But 55% of the floor for the Thunder in this game. And 50%, they made half of their threes in this one. Now, Part of that's bad defense, I will say. A lot of open shots, but they shot 67% from three in the second half, and you know some of that is a little bit of noise, I will say. Um, one major part of issues, I would say, for the Hawks in this game was transition defense. Um, in the first half, pretty good. Second half, not so good. So they allowed, they allowed 29 fast break points in the game. That's a lot of fast break points, including 22 in the second half and 13 in the fourth quarter. OKC had 95th percentile frequency in transition and that means that the Thunder were able to run and they were able to run a lot um, they kept running and running late and the Hawks were not responding to that but we'll talk about a lot more in depth in a second later on in the podcast talking about the very end of this game but that was one of the major reasons why the Hawks were able to kind of give up this lead at the end of the game is that not only were the Thunder scoring they were scoring instantly basically in the entire stretch run of this contest so anyway the Hawks did rebound the ball very well which certainly ended up being a pivotal towards the possession battle in this game. And I would say the overall package defensively was not fantastic, obviously, as you might expect by the numbers. But 
there was some pretty positive stuff along the way at times. And again, the first half was really, really strong, and that allowed the Hawks to build a lead that, by the way, they never relinquished. The Hawks led the entire game. As crazy as that sounds, at a three-point win, they did. They led wire to wire in this game. But uh, we'll have much more on the details. I promise you that as we get diving into this podcast. But I'll just say this now. I know there's conflicting things here. I, I kind of pride myself on this podcast and bringing you some nuance. And sometimes things are not always pointing in the same direction. Yes, this is a maddening result at the very end of the game for the Hawks. But at the same time, this is a good win. This is a home win that they needed badly against a team that's very good. Even with this loss, the Thunder are 23-10 this year. And again, this is on paper and in the standings and on the schedule, their best win since October. So I know it ended poorly, but um, I think big picture, zooming out a little bit, it was a good win for the Hawks, and they, and they played very well for about 45 minutes in this game. And we'll touch on the last three minutes and more coming up in a second. But first, it worked more sponsors on today's podcast. Today's show is brought to you by Game Time. You should never have to worry about buying tickets for a big event. And with Game Time, you actually don't have to worry about buying those tickets. They have deals in the last minute deals, even on tickets for football or basketball or baseball, hockey, concerts, comedy, theater, and much more. It's awesome and easy to navigate the app at Game Time to find and buy tickets for any event in your area. They are obsessed as well with finding ways to help you save money on tickets. They have zone deals that give you an average savings of up to 18%. And at Game Time, you can also see the views from the seats in the venue that you're looking for. It helps you to know exactly what to expect when you get to that venue in the end. And they have all-in pricing, which helps you to know your total upfront without any of the hidden fees some other places happen to have. And you have peace of mind with Game Time as well. And the Game Time guarantee means that you'll always, always, always get the best possible price with Game Time. Take all the guesswork out of buying tickets by using the Game Time app right now. Download the app at Game Time. Create an account. Use promo code LOCKEDONNBA for twenty dollars off your first purchase with Game Time. Terms apply. Again, create create that account and redeem the promo code LOCKEDONNBA for twenty dollars off. Download the Game Time app today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Around New Year's, with someone being obsessed with having to change ourselves instead of just expanding on what we're already doing right in life. Maybe you finally organize one part of your space and you actually want to tackle another part of your space. Or maybe you're using supplements every morning and now you actually want to have breakfast as well. Therapy can help you find the strengths in your life so you can ditch the extreme resolutions and help make, ch- make changes that actually stick for yourself. Therapy can sometimes be something that you look forward to. Something that actually makes you feel grounded or actually give you the tools to manage everything that's going on in your life. And if you're thinking about starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try right now. It's entirely online and it's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. All you have to do is fill out a brief questionnaire, and they'll actually match you with a licensed therapist. If you want to switch therapists at any point in time, you can do so at any time for no additional charge, and they make everything easy for you at BetterHelp. Celebrate the progress that you've made already with the folks at BetterHelp. And the place to go is BetterHelp.com slash LockedOnNBA today to get 10% off your first month with BetterHelp. That is BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, dot com slash LockedOnNBA. One more time, BetterHelp. BetterHelp.com slash LockedOnNBA. Okay, we'll dig in now to how this game unfolded, and it was actually very positive for the Hawks at the top of the game. An 11-0 run from, the, from Atlanta to start things off. The Thunder missed their first six shots, plus three turnovers, and they didn't score for almost four minutes. Did OKC at the beginning of this game. Again, 11-0 run, and the only lone blem- blemish for the, for the Hawks was a missed buddy by Capella at the top, and then he immediately blocked a shot on the other end of the floor to kind of make up for it. So it was all good vibes at the outset. They actually had Jalen Johnson guard Shagel Alexander for the most part at the top of the game. A good wrinkle there, I thought, from the Hawks in this spot, because you know the Hawks have not asked Jalen to do that a lot this year, but he is the best option in the starting lineup to defend Shea. And the Thunder play that's like five-out style, where it's actually pretty easy to kind of accommodate that. So it made sense to me. I thought Capella did a good job as well, helping on Shea. Uh, even when he got ISO'd and switched onto him, he was able to slide his feet, which was very effective at the top of the game. 
Uh, rotationally, there was one main tweak, and it was Trent Forrest getting the lineup for the Hawks in this one. 14 minutes, he was actually the first sub. And basically, aside from a few minutes in the second half, where it was, was DeJounte, um, Shea was guarded by Jalen or Trent the whole game. And for those of you who may not know a lot about Trent Forrest, offensively, he is limited for sure. His lack of shooting has been a question at times, for sure. That's why he's on a two-way contract. But defensively, I have argued, and I still would argue, that Trent Forrest is the best guard defender on the whole roster. Uh, I still believe that now. That's why he was playing in this game. Um, and I think he did a pretty good job. I thought Trent played very well, honestly, in this one. Even offensively, he was actually pretty effective. Not a huge shooter, but made all three of his shots, got to the rim, plus seven in his minutes, etc. We'll come back to him later on. Anyway, the rest of the rotation was Bogey and Okongwu, as always, and then Garrison Matthews was the ninth man for Atlanta in this game. Um, they had some foul issues. The Thunder were in the, in the bonus, like four and a half minutes to go in the first quarter. But other than that, uh, it was pretty much good vibes. Uh, they did play a lineup, actually, in the first quarter that had Trey, Trent Forrest, Garrison Matthews, and Bogey, plus Okongwu. So, essentially the f- smallest they can possibly be. Four guards and Okongwu, and also defensively challenged, other than Trent, basically. I would have liked that group better with Capella because of the rebounding. They got kind of beat up on the glass a little bit. But if there was ever a time to try a super small lineup, OKC is pretty easy to sort of attack with that because they are so small at times as well. Anyway, Hawks up 14 at the end of the first quarter. They played great at the outset. Then they had a 14-4 run in the middle of the second quarter to go up by 21 points. And Jalen Johnson had a fantastic stretch. Basically, he had back-to-back dunks during the run. And And the second one was kind of just a normal lob from DeJounte Murray. But the first one was a completely insane play <laughs> where he actually went behind his back to beat a defender and then dunked on another one. That's a play that not a lot of guys can make. If you've seen the, uh, the highlight by now, I'm sure you would agree with me. A monster play by Jalen in a lot of different ways. Um, before that, Trey threw a couple of just like preposterous passes. There was one to bogey on the baseline for a three that was just an otherworldly pass. Um, Trey also had a heads-up play drawing a charge later in the quarter because it was also an awful play, I will say, by Aaron Wiggins from the Thunder to kind of just bowl Trey over. That was all Trey could do, basically, was try to draw a charge, but it worked. Good play there by Trey. And then Jalen tried to dunk on Chet Holmgren the first time. He was fouled and landed very hard. And it seemed like he got, he, it, took a, it took him a long way to get up, basically. I think it was maybe a tailbone, just a bruise or whatever. But he got up, and then shortly after, he actually did dunk on Holmgren. So Jalen was not shy. He was aggressive in the best possible way. Played great in the second quarter. And that was a big reason why the Hawks were up by 17 points at the half. Um, they were electric. Getting to the line, transition play, Jalen was a two-way force throughout that period. They had four guys scoring double figures. Jalen played all but eight seconds in the second quarter. And actually was not playing great before the big run offensively, but he found it in that stretch, was very aggressive. And again, they held the Thunder to a 104 offensive rating in the first half. And then the second half arrived. So the third quarter, broadly speaking, was a offensive bonanza. <laughs> it was 44-40 to 40 in favor of OKC. Um, the lead was down to 11 almost immediately. Uh, part of that was that Jalen Johnson got his fourth foul about a minute and a half into the third quarter. It was a pretty soft call. Didn't love it, but not one to like, challenge. But they also auto-benched him for the rest of the quarter. I did not love that. I get taking him out at that point in time. Most coaches would have. I'm not the biggest fan of the auto bench, and Jalen is a pretty low foul player. This year, he's averaging about two and a half fouls per 36 minutes, so he's not a huge foul issue guy. But my thing was not bringing him back in a little bit earlier because he sat the whole quarter. That definitely hurt their, their defense, I thought. And the Thunder scored on their first, like, seven possessions in the, in the second half. I was kind of surprised also that if you were going to pull Jalen, they had gone with Trent Forrest 
exclusively as the shade defender other than Jalen in the first half. But when they, when they, when they took Jalen out of the game, they went to Garrison Matthews. And that was kind of a, you know, it was obviously not a, not a planned sub, but that left DeJounte on Shea, and that was a problem in that stretch. So kind of a weird situation there. Then there was this unbelievably long delay after a timeout in the third quarter where they were trying to figure out how many fouls Jalen Williams had for whatever reason, but it was like a multi-minute, super, super long delay that threw everybody off. Also, Quinn went crazy a few minutes later because Josh Giddy clearly walked, and it was not called right, right in front of the Hawks bench, and Quinn was not very happy about that play. Um, from there, though, they, they settled in a little bit. I will say there was a nice sequence in the middle of the quarter where Capella had a nice block that led to a fast break. They actually had Garrison Matthews scoring his, actually just even attempting his second two-point shot of the whole season. He made it in transition. Um, but the lead was down to seven, actually. I thought DeJounte struggled badly in the third quarter. A couple of bad possessions where he had a bad turnover. Uh, there was one where he got to the rim, actually, and in a good drive, and he just probably should have shot it and just didn't. Anyway... They stabilized a little bit after that. Once Trey, once Trey came back in, it was an 8-0 run, and uh, he hit a deep three. Bogey hit a three, and they and they got into the they got into the, sort of the quarter break, I should say, up by 13 points. And they already had wavered, so that was actually a positive sign. But the Thunder didn't miss a single three in the third quarter, and they were they scored 44 points. And the Thunder, as they did the the entire half, were just smartly going straight downhill when they got the ball, and that worked very well in transition the entire second half. Um, in the fourth, I'll kind of fast forward a little bit through this, but the Thunder got it to eight by the middle of the quarter. It was a 9-0 run by the Thunder, and then Jalen had back-to-back buckets to kind of stabilize things. As noted before, I don't think DeJounte was great in this game, but he made a couple of important buckets in the middle of the quarter to go back up by, I believe it was like 12 or 13 by the six-minute mark. DeJounte, by the way, had 18 second half, so he definitely found it a little bit and uh, made some key buckets for the Hawks. Um, they went back to the starters in full with about five and a half minutes to go. And that was interesting because of a few different reasons. So one of them is I thought Trey sat for too long in the fourth quarter. Trey ended up playing only 34 minutes in this game, which is not like a crazy low number, but in a big game with rest on either side, I think I would have liked to see Trey play more than that. Um, I know he's banged up a little bit right now with the the shoulder issue, but uh, he sat for a while and it was kind of teetering at that point in time. Also, Jalen sat in the middle of the quarter because he kind of had to because he had not he, played, he sat the whole third quarter, so he kind of couldn't play the whole fourth quarter, probably. And the other one was that Click Capella, who I think played very well when he was out there in this game until the fourth quarter, I didn't understand playing him the whole crunch time run because the Thunder went without a center the last five and a half minutes of the game. You know, Chet Holmgren is a really good player for OKC already, but he was not great in this game, and he was very limited. He didn't play the last six minutes of the game, and that meant the Thunder were literally playing centerless. And with Clint, his impact is obviously going to be muted against a team that's playing as small as OKC was and with no center. So that was uh, notable to me. And honestly, as we'll touch on this a little bit more on the podcast in a second, you could have gone with Jalen at center. You could have gone with a Kongwu. You could have gone with, you know, put Bogey back in. You could have gone with Trent Forrest, whatever. I just didn't love that whole process. Anyway, uh, the Hawks foul Josh Giddy with about three minutes to go. And then they scored after that play. And they were up 16 with three minutes left. 16. And I swear to God, I wrote this in my notes at the time. Nothing feels safe right now for the Hawks. And I was right, I guess. <laughs> um, so I won't do the entire play by play, but basically the Thunder got a little bit hot, hit a couple of threes, got it to nine with 135 to go. And then Jalen turned it over and the Thunder got a layup. And it was suddenly seven with 120. So that was the big kind of knock it down run. It went from 16 
to seven in about a minute and a half. And then the Hawks had a shot clock violation on a possession where it was pretty rough. Uh, and then the Thunder scored again to get it to, to, get it to five. Then DeJounte took a pretty difficult driving floater than, that he missed. And then they allowed another layup. And it was a three-point game with 27 seconds to play. We'll come back to that in a second. But we'll go from there. Now, the shot clock is 24 seconds. So I thought the Thunder were going to foul. Because usually you don't want to play it out with that small of a differential. Because if, the, if you're smart and perfect, if you're the Hawks, you could have attempted a three at the buzzer of the shot clock, and maybe the Thunder have like a half a second left. But they didn't foul. It worked for them because Bogey, while he got a wide open shot that he usually, I should say usually, often makes, it was a three with about six seconds to go. So he missed the shot, and the Thunder got the rebound, and called timeout with 3.2 to go. So the Hawks kind of... They didn't play it terribly, but they squandered it a little bit because if you're going to take a three, you want to do it at the buzzer, and they didn't do that. So that was one, one issue. Obviously, he missed it as a good look, whatever. Uh, then after the timeout, I thought the Hawks should foul up three. Now, there's that's the debate for all time. I will leave that alone for now, but I would have fouled. Um, they might have tried to foul, honestly, but they didn't execute it. Sadiq Bey could have maybe fouled on the inbounds pass, um, I thought Trent Forrest was excellent in this game, but he was not excellent on the final possession. He kind of just fell asleep. I wonder aloud, I know my friend Glenn Willis said the same thing, I wonder if Trent thought they were going to foul. But either way, it was a bad play by Trent. He kind of got lost and gave up a cut to the corner and a three in the air that would have tied it, and it was a great look. It just happened to not go in. So for the first time in a while, the Hawks got pretty lucky at the end of the game. Um, and they avoid the disaster. So it was wild. In a lot of ways, um, I've talked about this before when, when it comes to the way this kind of unfolded. Um, we'll have more on this in a second. But before we get to the break, I'm going to leave you with some audio slash video that I uh, retained from Quinn Snyder. I actually asked Quinn after the game about the parallels between today's game and the win in Washington, where he kind of made the point that it was different than the previous games because the Hawks were in, in control and kind of just botched garbage time. Uh, I will play the answer and the question for you in a second after this break from, from our sponsors, but we'll have uh, we'll have that. We'll have more on the crunch time issues, shall we say, and then we'll have some play-by-player -play -player stuff, but first, and we're more friends on the show. Today's show is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, and the NFL regular season is wrapping up right now, but there is still time to get on the action with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook, and right now, if you're a new customer, you get 150 in bonus bets, guaranteed, when you place a $5 bet at FanDuel. That's 150 bucks right now in bonus bets, win or lose, and the FanDuel Sportsbook app is so easy to use. There's so many different ways to bet at FanDuel as well. They have live same-game parlays. You can also make a parlay in the Parlay Hub, the best way to find the popular parlays that you're looking for. Also, find new, find new bets in the new Explore tab at FanDuel, and they have all the old favorites as well. Point spreads, money lines, over-unders, player props, game props, future bets, and much more. The app is safe and secure as well. It covers the entire range of sports at FanDuel. That, of course, includes the NFL and college football as well as the NBA, MLB, WNBA, college basketball, golf, tennis, soccer, auto racing, boxing, MMA, horse racing, etc. It's all there for you at FanDuel. And they have Hawk stuff as well, including all the offerings in advance of the game against the Pacers on Friday. And now is the best possible time to sign up with the folks at FanDuel Sportsbook. And the place to go is FanDuel.com slash locked on and make your first bet a layup with FanDuel in that place. One more time here is FanDuel.com slash locked on. FanDuel official partner of the NFL. All right, so as I teased before the break, I asked Quinn about the late-game issues and the parallels with the Washington game. 
dating back to New Year's Eve. And uh, here's what he had to say about all of that. And he talked a little bit after the game in D.C. about how it didn't really follow the same form as the previous struggles late in the game. And tonight was kind of more like that where you were holding on, holding on. Mm-hmm. What do you kind of attribute that whole sequence to at the very end where obviously you got out of there with a win, but it wasn't uh, the cleanest? Well, I think when, you, when you're ahead and um, if a team gets you on your heels, um, you know, in J.J.'s case there was a couple times he didn't want to foul. Um, and if that is the case with any of us, you, you, when someone's got their head down and they're going full speed in transition, you, you can't guard them one-on-one. And we just have to you know, shift to the point where they see bodies and don't allow them um, to get through those gaps. And you know, when you, in, that, in that time when you have a lead, you know, the offense is just in full-blown attack mode and it takes more. Um, you know, more urgency, even if you score to get back. There were a few times, you know, we hit a shot and then they're back and they score in, you know, six, seven seconds. And those possessions are, are tough. Tonight we we did enough offensively um, to give a cushion. Some of that will happen to a degree, but, you know, we, we've got to do a better job. You know, in the, the, we did a great job at the end of the half. You know, and that, that mindset, I think, just it's a collective focus that you have to have. Admittedly, not the most satisfying answer. I totally understand that. Not a ton of, like, nitty-gritty stuff. It's kind of what you have to expect. I know people want, want those questions asked, and I asked it. And, uh, you know, it wasn't always maybe the best framing for me. But um, just some details here on what transpired at the end. The Hawks scored two points on their last six possessions. So that was part of the problem. In the fourth quarter, the Hawks had a 104 offensive rating. That's obviously not very good. 25 points scored on 37% shooting. And it was night and day from the, from the first three quarters. Trey didn't take a shot the last 944 of the game. OKC smartly was blitzing him and double teaming him way away from the basket. And that's the right play. And there were lots of three on two, like pseudo fast breaks getting downhill, and the Hawks just could not score on those. Uh, that's one big thing. And that's one of the reasons why I would not have played Capella at the end was kind of what the way they were playing. And again, I'm not trying to put it on Clint. It's more situational because OKC was playing so small and they were doubling. I think even going to Trent Forrest, who's not like an offensive maven, but can handle the ball and make decisions. Um, or going, if you're not going to play differently than the way the Hawks were playing, maybe even go to Bogey. Like, I'm not saying that that would have that helped the defense because it wouldn't have, but offensively, he gets guarded in a different way. So I didn't love that process. We'll just leave it there for now. And then defensively, the Thunder scored 16 points on their last seven possessions before the missed three at the end, which again was entirely because they just missed it. It was an open shot. Um, the Hawks kept crashing the glass on offense, which created some extra possessions, but didn't make a lot of sense to me because it was allowing the Thunder to get out and run and run and run. And when you're playing Capella, you want Capella on the glass for sure, but it, it was Jalen and Sadiq that were, and even DeJounte, that were crashing and crashing and crashing, and I didn't really understand that. So just misaligned. I'm not sure what the strategy was there, but I think in general, Capella's utility goes down against a non-center lineup. DeJounte had some mishaps. Sadiq had some rough moments. Jalen's defense, because he had five fouls, and even Quinn said that in the answer, um, he was not trying to foul out, which I understand, but he was not giving any resistance at all. So really the, the main problem, if you want to circle one thing, it wasn't even that the Hawks were letting them score because they were up so much that you, you can kind of give up some layups, but it was instantly. I mean, they were scoring in six, seven seconds, and that, that's what you cannot do there. But anyway, rant over for now. Uh, by the way, the Thunder also shot 8 of 12 from 3 in the second half. So 
perfect storm in a lot of ways. It's just, unfortunately, that's been a theme for a while for the Hawks. And uh, we'll kind of leave it there for now. But there was some... I didn't love the game planning. I didn't love the rotations at the end of the game. And they kind of just held on for dear life. But in the end, they held on and got the win. All right, player stuff before we get out of here on today's podcast. And my apologies for going a little bit longer than usual on the show. Uh, to the bench in this one. The guy who played the least was, was, was actually Trent, who was uh, 14 minutes, 6 points, 2 rebounds, 2 assists, and a block shot. Made all, made all 3 of his shots, was plus 7 in the game. I thought Trent, until the last play of the game, played extremely well. And I know I like Trent Forrest more than most probably because uh, I value defense. But I think that this is the best case scenario because Trent's offense is really limited by his 3-point shooting. But if he has the ball, he has that little floater shot that he made 3 of in this game. He's a good passer, good decision maker. He just can't be, you know, he's not going to be a threat off the ball. But I thought he gave them great defense in a spot where they kind of needed it against Shea and then offensively did his job. So a nice set from Trent until the very end. Uh, Garrison Matthews, less successful. Five points, two assists for Garrison, minus eight in his minutes. Made, made two or three from the floor, one or two from three. I get why he played. I might have tried Lundy in his spot in this game, but I don't mind it too, too much. Um, Bogey had a huge first half. And then cooled off a little bit, but still had 23 points on 16 shots, 4 assists, no turnovers, plus 11 for Bogey in the game. He gave him a lot offensively, hit 5 threes. Akangwu, 22 minutes, 11 points. Um, that's a lot of five times, made all 5, 7 rebounds and a steal. I thought he was pretty solid in this game. Not like dominant, but certainly played fine when he was out there. Um, Capella, 25 minutes, 12 points, 14 rebounds, 3 blocks, no turnovers. I thought Clint was very good until the very end as well. Um, Especially the first, the first half, I thought Clint was, like, really awesome. Like, breathtakingly so. Because it's a bad matchup for Cabela. Like, there's no way around that. The Thunder play small, and and their one big is Holmgren, who's a great shooter for a center. So, like, it's a tough matchup for Cabela. And he played very well, I thought, defensively. Especially in the first half. Sadiq kind of had a weird game. Ten points, eight rebounds, but actually missed nine shots. He was two of eight from three, one of four from two. Um, not efficient there. The shooting's been a little bit weird for him, as I talked about a lot on this podcast the last several weeks, but I thought he competed. Um, at the end, he was part of the problem defensively, but, you know, there it is. Jalen Johnson, career high, 28 points. He actually just set career highs in back-to-back games for scoring. That's hard to do as a third-year player, but he's been playing He's been playing great. By the way, he, he did that in 29 minutes because of the foul triple. Um, four steals as well for Jalen, seven rebounds, three assists. Um, he was nine of 14 on twos, two of four from three. He was getting downhill. Um, he was really good. In this game, obviously, kind of a slow start for him, weirdly. But once it got going and started being more aggressive, it was all positive from there. And uh, great to see that. Obviously, the flashes are there for a big game for him. And uh, that second quarter sequence, oh boy, a lot of fun. Um, in the backcourt, uh, Dejounte had some moments: twenty-two points, six rebounds, six assists for Dejounte. Um, six of thirteen on twos is not where you want, but two of five from three. Got the line four times. You know, he saved himself a little bit with some big buckets late. I don't think that Jante played great in this game, but he was okay. Um, I would have said he was not very good until the last quarter or so, but he made some big plays and that were certainly helpful, especially because now that we know the result, they had had that big lead or they would have lost it. So uh, kudos to him for the second half and the 18 points after halftime. And then Trey, uh, 24 points, 11 assists for Trey in this game. He was only two of nine from three, made all four of his twos, got to the line 11 times. So he's a pretty efficient game. Um, defensively kind of hit and miss from Trey in this one, I thought. But, and again, they were really aggressively doubling him in the fourth quarter to the point where he only took two shots in the whole quarter and no shots in the last nine minutes. Not really his fault. It's just the way that they were being played. And he was getting off the ball, which is what Quinn, Quinn wants him to do. I thought he played okay by his standards. Not not great, not terrible, fine. So, 
that's it. I, I, there's a lot to get into on this game, obviously, but um, I'll say it one more time. It's a good win. It's hard to kind of see that in the moment, especially if you're a diehard living and dying on all the stuff and the way this game almost got away from them at the end, but they hold on to it. And if all you told me coming into the night is that the Hawks were going to win this game by three points, that's obviously a huge win against a good team. And yes, back-to-back with travel for Oklahoma City, favorable spot for the Hawks. They were favored in the game by one point, but they won the game. They got to win at home, and that's hopefully, that's again, I'm, I'm a big fan of nuance. I try to give you guys the whole picture on this podcast. That is not the whole picture. Obviously, I talked about the ups and downs and the bad execution and all that stuff, but they won the game. So hold on to that for dear life, as I said earlier in the podcast. Okay, we'll get out of here now on today's show. There's a travel day on Thursday. The Hawks play again on Friday in, sorry, in Indiana, and that's matchup number two against the Pacers this year. The first one was the game that I described as basketball on the moon because no one could get a stop the entire game. Both teams had 150 or more, and Halliburton made every shot basically in the second half of that game. So that'll be a fun one. It'll be a challenging one, but certainly a fun one. Also, before I got here as well, there is some bonus audio-only content for the folks listening on Apple, Spotify, Overcast, etc. I'm a lot on Sports Atlanta Cruise. That should be in your feeds right now. Nothing less from me whatsoever, just some extra audio content for the same price of $0, but please subscribe to the podcast anywhere. You get your podcasts, Apple, Spotify, also YouTube on the video side. And by the way, the video channels, it's only me. So if you want the extra content, it's only on the audio channels. But please subscribe, auto-download, like the podcast, etc., etc. Spread the word as well. If you have Hawks fans, friends, or family in your life, share the podcast with them. I very much appreciate that. Ratings and reviews, always appreciate it as well. Five stars, nice comments, etc. Also follow the show on Twitter slash X at Lots on Hawks. Follow me there as well at BT Roland. I also write about the Hawks at patreon.com slash btrollins. If you want to check that out, I'd appreciate that as well. And without any further delay, thank you for listening to the podcast. It's very late into the night here. I'm probably rambling a little bit on this show, but good win for the Hawks, and we'll see you uh, at the very latest after the game on Friday.